As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everybody, welcome to the podcast that's in love with its car, it's That's Not Metal, powered by You Discover. YouDiscoverMusic.com is the place to go get the latest and greatest features from the worlds of rock and metal and beyond, including this week, quite timely, uh, Queen. You can win £100 worth of merch from out of their online store by going to YouDiscoverMusic.com and checking out their latest competition. There is usually three of us, but there are all manner of punchlines as to why we can come up with Ryan the Freitas <laughs> is actually lost in Amsterdam as we speak. Presumably just listening I mean, to lots of culture abuse and, you know, doing his usual thing. Well, I, I think that we've done plenty of sort of raster-hatted jokes about David Draymond, but I reckon he is <laughs> more red-eyed than someone who's been on an overnight flight well, he in normally a wears a hat, in Amsterdam he? somewhere. He does. I reckon if you take his hat off, he's got a raster hat underneath it. Imagine, imagine the thought of Ryan DeFreitas with dreads. <laughs> a lovely, lovely Ryan time. That is, the, <laughs> that is the voice of Perrin Hayish. How's your week been, man? It's been all right, yeah. It's, uh, it's snowing here, which, you know, is a novelty. So I saw you... <laughs> <laughs> I saw your Instagram stories earlier, yeah. <laughs> which featured you with your arms outstretched in the snow Looking like in, an idiot. Yeah. in Cornwall, or <laughs> wherever it is that you are. Um, I've got my immortal shirt this, on and everything. I'm, I'm dressed for the occasion. Is the, I, I, I imagine that like this is like Christmas for you in more ways than one, in that you can go out and go listening to some icy black metal. Yeah, exactly. You do I've, I've got the perfect collection for it. I mean, I didn't really go for a walk. I sort of walked out into my garden, looked at it for five minutes, and then went back inside. But, you know, the... <laughs> The thought counts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. So coming up on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing the new albums from Within Temptation, Press Club and Ithaca at Album Club is on Queens and Night at the Opera, which is well, I'm gutted Ryan's not here. I know, he has me a real too. Av- he has a real aversion to Queen, the little weird. And I can't, wa- uh, I'd like, I, I, even if we don't have him this week, I need to know at some point what he thinks of some of the, the deeper cuts on this album. 
<laughs> seaside rendezvous. Yeah. What I thought that <laughs> is. Uh, but we'll get to that later on. And news includes some massive tour watch news. Uh, a whole bunch of bands for Download Festival. But we're going to start kind of where we left things last week because there has been a massive amount of fallout when it comes to Bring Me The Horizons album Ammo. We're going to kind of not go too deep in on it because if you want to hear what we had to say about the record, uh, go and listen to last week's show. But I felt a little bit out of place this week. When this album dropped last Friday, um, that's released for older people, uh, there seemed to be more furore about this record than I have seen for an album in a long time. It's hard to imagine a bigger talking point album coming in 2019. There were all manner of people deriding it for no longer being the metals. Loads of people getting upset at people not liking it because it's not metal. (laughs) We kind of said where we fit. Um, I think the biggest talking point come from Ollie Sykes himself. So he put on Instagram, it's since been deleted, but uh, he said, I love how much this record is polarising peeps. Hasn't been like this since we released Suicide Season. A lot of quick, uh, a lot of kids were quick to shit all over it because it was something very different from the scene we was in. I, was, I 100% support and encourage people's true opinions, and if you are someone who's only a fan of metal and hardcore with no exceptions, you are well within your right to hate this. Smiley face. But if you are more open, if you are open to more, all I'm saying is if you judge this record after one, listen, maybe give it another two. I'm pretty confident you'll surprise yourself. But it's exciting to have made a record that makes people feel so much. It feels so Bring Me The Horizon again, and thank you for that. And if you're loving the record, please stream it on repeat like 24-7. It looks like it's going to be there for first number one album in the UK Perrin cool. what did you what did you make of the of the fallout of this album um I mean to talk about that Instagram post you just read out the thing that struck me about that was his use of the word again when he said you know this feels so bringing the horizon again to have it polarizing people you know there's two things to take from that the first is did that's the spirit not also polarize people I remember that being an incredibly polarizing record because you know pretty much you know everyone who cared about bringing the horizon in any way seemed to love sempaternal and then yes. that's the spirit came along and that was what really really split a lot of people down the middle that's where people started going okay i'm not on board with this anymore it's 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 all i think do you think that there's a lot of that that comes with following up a quote-unquote classic record which i think sempaternal is yeah like you know when the black album had load even when lateralis had ten thousand days people moaned about it it feels as though you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't yeah and i you know i think obviously following up in the fashion that they did you know taking a move into a different direction that wasn't for everyone uh obviously going to be the way and in regards to ammo, it feels like people have been kind of, you know, we've been talking about what is the new Bring Me the Horizon album going to sound like for years now, you know, since that's the spirit mm. drop. And I think that's because they're following up a controversial record, you know. The, the discussion point was always going to be like, you know, where are they going to go with this? Are they going to continue moving in one direction? Or are they going to kind of pivot back towards the rock community or any, that, all that kind of stuff? So it, it, it's odd to me, like... I was in no way surprised by the fact that this album got a divisive reception. And that was before I'd even heard the thing. You know, it, it was always, for the past few years, destined to be a talking point of an album mm. and one that got people, you know, different opinions flowing. 
Yeah, I, I, I was I, I'm not surprised by, I, I think it was the vociferous of it. Of it. Like, I, I, I like, as someone that kind of thinks that it's all right, I prefer it. I, I prefer it in a big way. So that's the spirit, especially after living with it a little, with a little bit longer. Um, yeah, I, I've, it's as, really got its claws into me and I liked it when we as, reviewed it. As someone who's like, yeah, there's bits on it I like, there's bits on it I don't like, pff, the world keeps turning. Um, the fallout was pretty massive. There was also, uh, I think that fallout was categorised by the front man from The Word Alive, uh, who said uh, in a series of tweets, I told you genres are dead. Hopefully now everyone can shut the fuck up and like what you like. Bring on the musical revolution where your favourite band can be a hit shuffle playlist of every mood and emotion. People ask how streaming would impact music most. This is it. You stopped buying music. All right, chill out. Uh, you stopped supporting artists. You wanted quantity over quality, or at least you thought you did. Consumption is up, but spread out to millions of artists. Uh, so what did you think would happen? That itch to experiment in every artist has awoken. Well, uh, I think that should be the defining thing of every artist. But Yeah, I mean, um, looking forward to the Word Alive skiffle album now. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to your polka core classic. <laughs> uh, there's no box you can fit an artist into that won't inevitably break out of. Whether it's Queen, The Beatles, Metallica, or all the way to 21 Pilots, Bring Me the Horizon, etc., there comes a time in music where artists ignore the formula of doing what they are told. Um, to everybody saying the new Bring Me the Horizon is pop, sorry, you did go on a bit. Uh, if this shit is what I, uh, what I hear on the radio, I'm down. But pop is just short for popular, and that's what they deserve, and it's so much more than that. Uh, also, we have Architects being one of the best heavy bands ever. Quit fucking complaining. Uh, bang your heads to them. Bang your heads to Ariana Grande. Beg your, <laughs> uh, bang your heads to Sigur Ross. Bang your heads to the main, and the word alive will always be there too. Um... While that went on a bit, it did feel like a big, a big topic of conversation. It was what we started talking about the album last week. Is is the sub subject of genre and whether or not it matters? Um, what do you take out of that and the discussion that's gone on online this week when it comes to genres and is bring me the have bring me the horizon written an album? that pushes the borders of what a rock band could be or have they just walked with uh, outside of those parameters um sort of i mean you know they, i don't think they've particularly like you know it's not like this isn't an album when we talk about albums that really really change the game you know no one's gonna be going like oh yeah ammo but i mean the horizon is a completely genre defying kind of landmark moment um mm. but you know a, I think one of the things that my main points to kind of take away from it when we reviewed it last week was I really enjoy the eclecticism of it and I enjoy how, you know, they tackle all these different styles within the worlds of pop music and dance music, integrating it into, you know, rock and metal. That was one of the things where, you know, a lot of the people who I saw really enjoying the record over the last week or so, a lot of them are people who I know, um, you know, do also listen to things like dance music and pop music as well as rock and metal and you know i saw mm. them mentioning kind of influences and stuff that was going into it going oh yeah you know i can hear a bit of this in this track and that's not something i would have expected bring me the horizon to be drawing on so kind of you know i think those discussions are interesting i think what makes it an interesting record um perhaps more so than that's the spirit which you know i still really like that's the spirit but that spirit is just a collection of big songs whereas this has you know pretty inarguably there's more going on within the walls of this album um which is why i think you know you and ryan both enjoyed it more than that's the spirit um mm. 
in regards to kind of the guy from the world alive was saying i think that's a conversation that's been going on for a long time now anyway you know kind of it feels like every other month we get like a, oh a genre is dead or do genres matter kind of you know think piece mm. online or something like that um you know i i stick to kind of my little corner of just you know using them as words to describe things rather than getting too hung mm. up on it yeah I, I think that alternative culture is exactly that and i'm not sure bring me the horizon have made a step towards the mainstream that's what that music is that's th- those other mm. influences on this record that's what it is uh and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like i think if you're holding them by the by the kind of edge of the t-shirt well, going, so no you can't you, you can't leave yeah agreed but like like if they want to make those strides let them yeah. like but but to pretend that it's kind of pushing out where alternative culture goes i I quote billy corgan um when he said uh when alternative culture goes too close to the mainstream what is it the alternative to so yeah i I don't think there's anything wrong with them heading out further that way but to suggest that the the borders of alternative are being stretched a lot of the people that i've seen saying that are the sort of people that will only listen to five or six albums a year anyway (laughs) right so, uh, also, I mean, Sam Carter took pelters as well, left Twitter for... I mean, that was ridiculous. Like, that wasn't even anything to do with the Bring With Horizon album, really. That was people taking issue with the fact that he said the Greatest Showman soundtrack isn't real music when he clearly just meant an actual band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but just, mate, the internet is mad. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, the debate rage... Yeah, quite. The, the debate rages on. That's quite enough ammo for one week. Right, Employed to Serve. We couldn't say this last week. Uh, re- released the first track from their new album. The track is called Force Fed. The album is called Eternal Forward Motion. That's going to be out on May the 10th. There's some shows around it in London and Glasgow. You can go and get ch- tickets now. So... We've led, uh, we've led, we've lived with Force Fed for a little while. Uh, is it fair to say that it's quite a departure to the two records that came before it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's more relatable to some parts of the second record than other parts of it, because, you know, that's a record that does quite quite a lot of different things. Um, yeah. But it definitely takes certain ideas of that record and furthers them in a really huge way. It's one of those things where, with no disrespect to Holy Raw, of course not, um, but you can tell that the shift has gone from them to Spine Farm. This is a much bigger sound. Yeah, which perfectly suits the kind of song that it is. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And one of the big plus points, I think, is I love that. Uh, increased vocal trade-off oh God, between yeah, yeah. Justine and Sammy. I think uh, where the warmth of a dying sun really excelled was when it was pushing the boundaries of what that band were capable of. It it was those moments that make that album such a... I mean, it's one of the albums that I, I still regularly return to it. Yeah. Um, and it's the more experimental moments that really stand out. And I'm, I for one, am very glad that from the very first track of where we're going, that seems to be the order of the day moving forward. Yeah, I fucking love this song so, so much. I've been playing it constantly since we got sent it. Um, and as you say, it's not what I expected. I mean, I'm not quite sure what I expected, really. I mean, but 
that this is what it is, you know, because it when we're saying pushing the boundaries, some people might immediately think of the more expansive moments on the warmth of the dying sun, mm. like you know, the title track or apple tree or whatever. And those yeah. are the bits that um you know, when I think of that album being, you know, a, a expanding the boundaries of what that band are capable of, as you were saying, those are the bits that come to mind. Mm. But this is if you compare this to what they were doing on the first record, it is light years away in terms of like you know i i love that first record i properly love mm. it i saw them a shitload of times on that album cycle and i got to know the ins and outs of that record so kind of keenly but that band at that point in time would not have been capable of writing a fucking hit like this totally agree like you wouldn't have associated this kind of massive like grooves that will really fucking get its hooks into you and like the the white hot kind of frenetic pace of what was going on on that first record is a is a mile away from the craft and tact that you have on this yeah it it's such um it feels like a really kind of uh economical and efficient kind of piece of songwriting in terms of not a second is wasted every single kind of twist and turn is perfectly paced you know the fact that as soon as you press play, that snare is so fucking just confrontra- uh, confrontational note, lets you know exactly kind of what's what's up. And then there's that riff, which might just be one of the best riffs of the past few years. It is so unbelievably hard and groovy. <laughs> and like, you know, it. There's a, like the chorus is fucking huge. Like, you know, it's the most melodic chorus they've ever had, but not in a way that feels yeah. in any way skimping on the kind of brutality or anything like that. It is... It is a proper hit. Like it is a that banger. and and the outro, the spoken word yeah, trade off yeah. build is fucking huge. So there we go. Um, I'm hearing that this is going to be a massive, massive statement of intent. This record, uh, fingers crossed. It's out May the tenth. It's called Eternal Forward Motion. Yeah, I mean, excited. you know, may obviously yet to be seen kind of what that album will contain maybe there will be some more expansive stuff in the vein of the warmth of the dying sun which i'd be totally down with because that's still my favorite material but this hits me on such a primal level and makes me just want to punch everything and if they've got more fucking in the locker like this this kind of enormous tune then yeah of course bring it on there you go. The new album is out at the beginning of May. Let's get excited about that. Tool Watch. Uh, it's bloody it? Yeah, it's it. I mean, uh, I have to bite <laughs> my tongue. Uh, so Tool last week uh, at Nam that was happening <laughs> out here in Anaheim, someone surreptitiously asked Danny Carey when the album was coming out and was uh, filming him when they did so. Uh, and he said the plan is for it to be out in mid-April. Other news this week away, I mean, and also they've updated a graphic on their website. There's some sort of very tall-esque animation stuff going on. That's what does it for me, I think, because Danny Carey has said a bunch of times that the album's going to be out then, and it wasn't. Uh, But the fact, it's the the kind of the the website thing um, (laughs) that, you know, like... Bands don't do that shit unless they have something coming immediately. Like, you know, whenever the Slipknot mm. hype machine kind of clicks into gear and all that, you know, the, the profile pictures change and kind of the teasers go up online, all that kind of stuff, that doesn't happen unless there's something happening pretty damn soon. Danny Carey saying April doesn't really mean anything to me, but Danny Carey saying April and then like a legitimate kind of promo thing going up on a website clearly intended to, you know, tease towards something. 
that is fucking happening, you know? That yeah, is it. I wonder I wonder if they'd rushed that the, <laughs> Quick, the mechanical We've actually got yeah, a release that we can stick thing. to, fucking hell. No, no, I mean like the internet exploded when Danny right. was caught saying this and 48 hours later that appears on the website i'm saying that that was ready to go but i'm saying that i'm also saying that might have fast track things when it kind of maybe when the cat comes out of the bag in such a way and other news this week um ramstein have posted on instagram uh that they are shooting a video including nuns and all sorts <laughs> of weird shit jonas ackerland's doing it and if you look at the clapperboard um on the Instagram post, it suggests that the song might be called Black Dog Big Fish. Mm. Uh, the rumours are that that album is out in April as well. Yeah, same so, day. Right? That'd be good. Could you could you <laughs> could you imagine though? Of all, like we've waited so many years for both of those yeah. bands, and then Tool and Ramstein in one month. Do you reckon Tool will release a single? Do I reckon Tool will release a single? Like or, or like just they all album do. in one go? They usually do. Because um, if the album's out in April and we get a single, that means a song is coming within a month, <laughs> two, maybe. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't even contain myself like, yet. I don't even love Tool as much as you do, and that gets me excited. Mate, I, I can't even. It's, <laughs> I've been, cut, like, since that Perfect Circle record came, yeah, I've course. been mullering all things Maynard. So, yeah, the, the, there we go. The Tool album weight has been a thing for as long as i've been into rock music you know i've never had new tool music and while that doesn't necessarily mean as much to me as some people like the fact that a tool album even exists in my lifetime or at least my lifetime of being plugged into the rock music machine mm. it's wild well, well it's definitely done because john tempest has heard it yeah, and it's coming out in April. He put it on Instagram. So there we go. Apparently <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, brilliant news. Right, Download has added another 40-odd bands uh, to its lineup in alphabetical order. They are Aaron Buchanan, Alcest, Animals as Leaders, At the Gates, Bad Wolves, Batushka. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. cool. Uh, and it mad. Beartooth, Behemoth, Black Peaks, Brothers Osborne, Cane Hill, Clutch, Cold Rain, Conjurer, Crystal Lake, Deadland Ritual. <gasps> Fever 333, Godsmack, Ground Culture, Hailstorm, Heart of a Coward, Icon for Hire, Intervals, Last in Line, Like a Storm, Lost in Stereo, Love Bites, Municipal Waste, Nay Oblivisgaris, Palais Royale, Parting Gift, Red Hook, Skid Row, Skinned, Stone Temple Pilot, Sumo Psycho, Those Damn Crows, Three Days Grace, Tosca, Trash Boat, 12 Foot Ninjas, Vega and Wolf Jaw. What stands out for you, mate? Well, I mean, we kind of touched on it there. Batushka is a great shout. I mean, Batushka to... Expl explain Batushka to Yeah, the, and say to the, to the majority of listeners. Um, yeah. They are a, a Polish black metal band. And it doesn't surprise me that of all the kind of underground extreme metal bands, Batushka are the one that Download would go for because Batushka have had a decent amount of kind of hype and kind of... Um, some people are quite cynical about it, you know, saying, oh, there's a lot of industry attention around this band, which, you know, in black metal circles can mean something. But... But it's the image, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Batushka are like hooded monks. Yeah, they? they've got like a... I mean, I, I'm a fan, and I think their sound is really interesting because basically they're a black metal band, but they have this whole kind of Gregorian choir that kind of mm. gives it this real kind of like, you know... Um, you know, kind of... Eastern feel. Yeah, like monk kind of feel to it. Um, but them, you know, playing Download is 
you know, it, if I was going to send a black metal band to like the fourth stage on download, like a younger band rather than you know a staple like Behemoth or whoever, mm-hmm. um, Batushka would probably be you know well up there. Speaking of Behemoth, the fact that they are on the main stage is incredible. You know, I think it's like bah- power trip into Behemoth into Trivium on the Slipknot day, which <laughs> into the Antwoods into the Antwood, yeah. Them sub into Slipknot, which is. I mean, <laughs> I can't figure out if that's genius or terrible. I like it because I think it, like when Slipknot arrived, it's a long time. You have to go back now 20 years to remember Slipknot arriving, but, you know, old. Yeah. Um, like they were like, wow, this band are crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of the, the plus point. And the, the fact Antwoods, that the are fucking weird. Like it's a crazy. proper freaks kind of union there. Uh, it's just yeah. you know how many Slipknot fans in like Deantwood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, quite. Who else is on there? Um, at the gates, uh, headlining the fourth stage, presumably during Def Leppard, a decent time. <laughs> I think it's it's cool that the Fever Three 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 are there and are actually uh, announced to be there this year. Uh, Black Peaks being there is much called for. Although are, are um, Fever on uh, what stage are they on? Are they on this? Uh, they are on the stage. third stage, yeah, the Avalanche stage I, I, on the Sunday. I maybe would have expected them to see them on the main stage with the amount of kind of push that they've had, you know? Yeah, it would make sense to me. Yeah, it, it feels a little um, weird to me to them have them there for the second year in a row, but, you know. Yeah, I, I'm glad to see Clutch on the main stage. I think I always think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, municipal Waste. Yeah, it's good. Is 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 seems like a because the the stage that they're on the dog tooth stage generally goes up against the headliners and I can't imagine there being much crossover in the way of I want to see municipal waste and tall. I mean that's while me, I to like be fair, you know but yeah I mean I like both <laughs> of those bands as well but like it doesn't feel like you would be too torn um, yeah in that in that kind of thing. The other thing but is yeah, that um, we, we thought that Slayer were going to be on Saturday immediately before Slipknot. Mm. But they're actually headlining the second edition on the Sunday before Tool. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that would overlap or if those kind of both bands would insist because they're both pretty momentous sets, you know, like first Tool mm. show in fucking forever and Slayer's final ever UK show, whether they kind of insist that they don't overrun like that. Mm. Yeah, I would imagine so. I can't see those two things overlapping at all. I mean, I hope I so. Can't, I, I think Slayer Slayer being on at the same time as the Smashing Pumpkins makes sense so you can see Lamb of God and Slayer and all the rest of it. They're all, they yeah. usually they usually really think these things through. But when you look at the download lineup, I have to say they have done brilliantly this year. Yeah, it's super good. Um, We're still waiting yeah, on the two headliners for the, um, the Saturday and Sunday on the Avalanche stage as well. So absolutely big thing still to come. And as well, uh, I saw Stone Temple Pilots out here last year. Uh, and if you are a fan, it's easy to be cynical about such things. But uh, I would highly recommend that you go and check that out. So Arc Tangent have added Cult of Luda, Zelanada, Bosk and Conjurer and more. Slam Dunk have added Touche Amore, Tiger's Jaw, Employed to Serve and some other things, uh, including that Hey There Delilah band. <laughs> uh, a day to remember, Enter Shikari, Yumi at Six and more have been added to Reading and Leeds, including the Distillers. No, they were on it before, weren't they? So loads of stuff going on in terms of festivals. Uh, Greta Van Fleet uh, are apparently going to be releasing a new album this year. Makes sense. Uh, Striking by the Iron's Heart. Well, you know, Led Zeppelin released one a year, so... There you go. Got a copy uh, of and someone else. 
Brian Johnson being back in ACDC. I know you had particular amusement at this story <laughs> and the way it came about. It's so fucking weird. I mean, to people who haven't seen the story, uh, apparently, well, I mean, not even apparently, um, Terrorizer, the grindcore band, not the magazine, uh, grindcore band featuring Pete Sandoval, the classic era drummer of Morbid Angel, um, one of the most seminal grindcore bands going, ran into Brian Johnson at the airport, point blank asked him, are you in ACDC? And he said yes. <laughs> sick of de- I'm sick of denying it. <laughs> there you go. So shout out Pete Sandoval leaking big band information. Yeah, so, uh, and we've spoken about that a lot, but um, I think that's a kind of cool thing. And Ozzy Osbourne has had to propo- uh, postpone his latest tour due to illness. That's been put back to apparently. It's if you've got tickets for it, apparently it's going to be uh, rescheduled for September. So there you go. Big week of news on That's Not Metal. Questions have been coming in. Don't forget, like, be part of the That's Not Metal Facebook page. Be part of the That's Not Metal focus group. There's nearly 600 of us in there now. It's all good times uh, every week. And the first question comes from Ross Dalladay, who says, a month into 2019, if you're anything like the majority of us, I assume you've been looking at other people's best of 2018 lists. Yes, I have. And spotting things you hadn't considered. Is there any album you've discovered from 2018 in the last month that, had you been aware of it, would have made it into your top 20? I mean, my honest answer is no. <laughs> Sorry to be a bore on this one. Um, uh, you know, I saw, obviously, I looked at other people's lists, people who are, whose tastes I'm interested in, whose opinions I care about, um, and perhaps there were some things that I maybe discovered, but there's nothing that really, really impacted in the way that would have dislodged. I mean, I spent so much time on my 20s you know i spent i mean throughout the year you spend so much time kind of trying to keep up with music that yeah it, i don't think there was anything too notable that i let slip through the cracks last year yeah i i love that amigo the devil record i wish i'd have given it more than just the one listen but i'm not sure that that would have cra- cracked my top 20 if anything would have made my top 20 uh, I think if that Muse record had came out <laughs> about another two months earlier, I think it would have because I'm of still course. playing it all the time. Fucking hell. Uh, and they've added an LA date now as well. Yeah, you're so going to go. Gonna get to... Oh, fuck yeah. I, yeah, I'm, of course. I'm legitimately jealous. I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it to the UK tour. And, you know, regardless of my feelings on the record, they're always the best live. Yeah, I mean, just I haven't seen Muse for a long time. Whenever I've seen, uh, the last time I saw them was at, I think it was at the O2 on Uprising, uh, was the last time I saw them. But right. while I wasn't keen on that record and they were playing loads from it, just the power and the ideas of their stage show always make Muse a a must-see thing. They were on, they were on at the same time as, uh, I can't remember who it was, they were on at the same time as at Download, which meant I missed them. Was it Limp Biscuit? Maybe. Don't know, maybe. I saw them on drones and they had big drones flying around, of course. So... <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Michael Dees asks, pick three download headliners that have never headlined before. I mean, this question, I mean, I'm presuming we have to be, you know, uh, somewhat realistic here and I can't just go fucking, you know, refused or whoever. But um, No, you wouldn't, you would bankrupt Download Festival yeah. and it would never be able to come back again. So <laughs> you're going to have to not say Orange Goblin. Yeah, I mean, oh, that'd be good. But anyway, um, and because, because you're kind of limited by realism, this is actually a quite hard question because download kind of the 
the requirements of being a download headline, I think I've said this before, are so astronomically high. Like, it's not enough to just be an arena band at this point. Mm. There are loads of arena bands and bands who have been arena bands for a long fucking time. You know, look at someone like Alterbridge, who still have not yet crossed that threshold into being a download headliner. So mm. picking, you know, there's a reason people make such a big deal about download headliners and it's because it's fucking prestigious shit and it's really hard territory to crack into as a band. So mm-hmm. to pick a few, uh, we discussed it the other week, uh, Queens of Stone Age. I'm amazed, actually, they've never done it because mm-hmm. they feel like one of the few bands who are in that stratospheric territory. But yet they still, you know, I think the last one played, they sub headlined or something like that. I mean, mm. it, like I said, it's weird because, you know, Slayer can't do it. Judas Priest can't do it. Smashing Pumpkins can't do it. Motorhead couldn't do it when they were around. And Motorhead, you know, I'm not obviously weren't selling out arenas or anything, but they seem like such a like everyone knows Motorhead. You know, they're a yeah. proper classic band. And when bands like that aren't anywhere near the mountain of regularly headlining download, it feels like a properly difficult thing. Mm. Metal is the hardest place to go because classic rock has two massive massive bands that haven't done it yet yeah that's van halen and bon jovi mm-hmm. um if you were asking me i would always pick bon jovi as much as i'm desperate to see van halen although they are allegedly doing a u.s stadium tour this year um i would pick bon jovi just because i saw bon jovi in hyde park and i can tell you a day full of drinking and then bon jovi coming on <laughs> late at night is a wonderful thing, let alone a day that is full of, you know, things that are more to our taste. So I would have that. Um, I think in terms of rock bands, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. The Foo Fighters would be my pick. Yeah. uh, Just because it's mad that they haven't done it. Um, But there's, you know, Green Day haven't done it. Paramore haven't done it. Blink-182 haven't done it. There's loads of legit... Do you reckon, I mean, Album Club kind of focus here do you reckon queen with adam lambert could do it because i remember they were due to do i think it was the final sonosphere that didn't happen the one that got cancelled they were yes yeah uh, i was pumped about it yeah and you know download being size equivalent mm. do you reckon that could ever be on the cards i think uh and i'm kind of spunk in my intro to album club here but i'm gonna do it anyway um i think that queen are arguably the biggest rock band in the world right now uh, in terms of streaming and fucking everything, exposure, all the rest of it, I think Queen and Adam Lambert at download this year would have been colossal. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, yeah, could still be on the cards for future. I mean, I know Sonosphere didn't actually happen, but Sonosphere at least managed to book them. So, <laughs> but there hadn't been this massive cultural shift that had moved Queen so massively into the spotlight like Bohemian Rhapsody has. I mean, that that film has taken so much money. And it's continuing now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's mad that a band that released their last album in 1991, uh, last proper album anyway, in 1991, have had such a massive renaissance. But yeah, I think Queen could headline download comfortably with Adam Lambert. Um, but Metal is the tough one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just like want Evanescence if... to do it, but that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> um, I've seen the second headliner to Maiden. So, uh, if I was to have a free hit, which I think the Foo Fighters of Bon Jovi would enable you to have a free hit, I would say the band most deserving from the walls of heavier music that haven't headlined Download, 
would be I'd have Deftones and Corn co-headline. Yeah, I mean that's a safe bet. I mean a similar thing would be something like Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie, but with kind of decreasing stock in Marilyn Manson's live performances, particularly kind of mm. takes that hit a little bit. Corn and Deftones are both reliably great still. So. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I would have. But all bands, a good question though, Michael. Let us know your bands. Have we missed anyone? Big bands that haven't headlined Download Festival before? Let us know at Not Metal Pod and on the Facebook and in the focus group. You know the drill. Sam Cowan as our last question this week. Best bass lines in rock and metal. You're a drummer. Like, uh, d- does that mean mean you pay more attention to bass on records? Um. Well, I think more pertinently is I'm an extreme metal fan. And a lot of the time bass lines in extreme metal aren't quite as prominent because they kind of you know listen to black metal it's the same <laughs> as the guitars but lower in the mix like <laughs> buried under a wall of filth yeah exactly um but you know there are loads that i love and the one the kind of the band we've already mentioned them the band who always come to mind for me for incredible bass lines are muse muse have so many fucking unbelievable time is running out but yeah, time is running out hysteria is the one for me yeah. As soon as that bass line in Hysteria hits, I mean, that's the one where, like, I play an incredibly limited amount of bass, and that's one of the very first things I tried to tackle, that Hysteria bass line, because I was like, that just sounds the fucking coolest thing this instrument has ever kind of done. Um, you know, they've got so many. Bliss, Plug-in Baby, Muscle Museum. Um, kind of a more recent shout, From the Pinnacle to the Pit by Ghost, is yeah, really so good fucking good. I mean, you know, uh, when they headlined Bloodstock, which was the last time I saw them, Opening with Square Hammer, uh, then transitioning to From the Pinnacle of the Pit, and the moment when the bassist just kind of stepped up into the kind of spotlight as Square Hammer was finishing, and then went into that was just so fucking cool. Uh, and then, kind of, a final shout would be Take the Power Back by Rage Against the Machine. It's easy to go, it's easy to think of those kind of bands, isn't it? Because the Red Hot Chili Peppers come to mind yeah. for me as well in these things. I really like the the opening bass line that is virtually bread fan by Budgie <laughs> to all around the world. Yeah. Um I I love the opening to Lounge Act by Nirvana is fucking massive. That boom 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 Long View by Green Day. Yep. Um, I mean, for whom the bell tolls oh, of course. Is, is the right <laughs> answer. It's it's either that or the middle bit in Orion, the boom, yeah. boom, like Cliff's moment. Um, but yeah, loads and loads of wicked bass and there are, lines. And there are some good metal. extreme metal as well. You know, I'm not just kind of chucking my entire home genre under the bus. Like, you know, there's some fucking incredible <laughs> tech death basis and shit like that. I don't think you're throwing it under the boat of bus at all. I think you're right. Like, oh my God, the, the, little, the little bass break in Hammer Smash Face. That is the one. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cannibal Corpse's bass sounds like a, an elastic band underwater. Yeah, Alex Webster is a fucking done. lunatic on that thing. Love it, though. Right, okay, album reviews. Let's get on with this. Within Temptation have released their new record this week. It is called Resist. Now, Perrin, um, just one more time with feeling. Your feelings are Within Temptation? Um, I really, really love a fair bit of their back catalogue. Uh, that that somewhat waned in with some recent releases. Primarily, the last album, Hydra, I didn't think was particularly up to it. Um, I do prefer their kind of older, very much kind of when they were leaning towards symphonic metal, as kind of you would picture it more so than the super poppy material. Um, mm. But generally, I would say, yeah, like, and you know, they're a band who I continue to find more and more things to like about as time goes on. Yeah, like this is album number seven and it's very difficult like i don't really feel like i should i should interject too much when it comes to within temptation because 
I've never liked Within Temptation. Yeah. So bloke who doesn't like Within Temptation doesn't like new Within Temptation album is not a headline. Like I, I think I I reviewed I think it was the heart of everything I reviewed when I was at Kerrang and just like having to intensely listen to that Within Temptation album is something that has stayed with me twelve years later. That's a great just record. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it is, mate. But uh, like uh, the, the the my thing with with intensation is I've always found them because I'm not anti this kind of thing. Uh, I think Nightwish are fine, um, but I've always found within temptation the word that always comes to mind is mumsy. When it comes like I, I, I've whether it was being a little bit too dramatic on the the ballady stuff or on this album it leaning towards some real some ghastly euro pop stuff <laughs> like it, uh, you know what i mean right the kind of yeah the kind of pop leanings that can only come from mainland europe yeah which i think is a a difference between you and i because i think i mean there's a song on here called mad world you fucking weird which <laughs> is a full eurovision fucking pumper and that yeah. is massive that is one of the best songs on this album <laughs> the words eurovision pumper will haunt my <laughs> that is like if you could like do you want to listen to this eurovision pumper no no, no. no i do not sir oh <laughs> uh, right th- right this album though i know you're like you know as you've just said with intentation kind of yeah. cynic not enjoying with intentation albums not news but yeah can you at least see this album is fucking different and weird compared to some of their back catalogue I mean, I guess I can see. I can see that it's evolved. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The I think Sharon has such a such a presence on within Temptation Records that it's always gonna be in her guise. Yeah, I mean, she she is the but, thing about this album that most links it to classic older Within Temptation. That's um, that's what I mean. Yeah, but this album, I mean, Within Temptation are a a weird band in in terms of. Look at kind of some of their peers. What are Nightwish doing? Nightwish are consistently kind of creating really, really brilliant records that are pretty much exactly what their fan base want. Um, Once every like four or five years, right? They take ages on their yeah. albums, Nightwish. And, and you know, they've de- they have evolved. Like, you know, the last album had kind of, you know, this 20 minute song on it that was kind of the most ambitious thing that band has ever attempted. But they're mm. still kind of very much recognisable as Nightwish. Look at someone like Epica, it's the same thing. Within Temptation are weirdly all over the place for a band of their kind of nature. Where, like, you know, like I said, they, they started off sounding a lot more like you would consider that classic symphonic metal sound to be. Then it was on, I think the album's called The Unforgiving, which they kind of made the, the tilt towards much poppier terrain. And generally it went down really well. Hydra, not so good, had the, <laughs> the bloody exhibit song on it, which, you know, will, I think will haunt them forever. And then this album is a bizarre change in terms of there's a lot more electronic on it. There's a lot more kind of... This is like Within Temptation's kind of wrestle metal album, almost. Very much compared to their older material. And I think it's it's a mixed bag in terms of there's a lot on it which I really, really like. You know, much more than I like anything on Hydra. Uh, and there are some bits that do not work so well. I mean... All over it, there are properly massive tunes on this. Like, Within Temptation's ability to write a chorus has never really been in doubt. That's something they've had 
from the beginning and they've gotten better and better at to the point where you know the songs on this like i mentioned mad world which i appreciate is not for you but that chorus is huge the reckoning um despite the hilarious chipmunk trumpet noise is enormous you know that is gonna be you know that's a that's a staple of in temptation song now it just will be because it's fucking huge um and then there are bits where it goes a little bit kind of off the rails like on holy ground the verse is kind of almost like quasi wrapped and it doesn't quite work so well doesn't quite land there's a bit on endless war almost kind of who wanted that are you going to say the exact thing I would say where the kind of the almost ragger enunciation on the chorus? <laughs> who, who needs that? Who needs that in their life? Yeah, but it, all across this, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting album in terms of the way it fuses, like, like you said, there's a lot more of kind of like almost like there's bits of like Skrillex influence on this album, but it's offset by old school symphonic metal kind of values with like huge operatic bits and stuff like that. And I've not heard bands, at least in this world, meld those things in quite the same way and i think it, mm. it you know it, in some places it works really really well and in some places it feels weirdly out of place i mean i'm almost reminded a little bit of um something ryan said about the bringing the horizon album last week when he said he, something was like they're almost approaching pop songs with rock dynamics of kind of having mm. like you know the the quiet loud kind of uh, you know the, the drops and things like that and i think you know the drops on this which are very much influenced by electronic music are miles ahead of anything that you know papa roach were trying to do on that album a couple of weeks ago um mm. generally i would say i quite like this album much more than hydra you know it, it's about on par with unforgiving which some people really really love it, it's a mixed bag but in general i was surprised by how much on it i really did enjoy does it would you go to see you within temptation on this record yeah yeah i mean yeah there's enough in the back catalogue that I love and there's a good handful of songs in here that I'm sure are going to be brilliant in the live setting and they are a very good live band who put on a best show. one since uh, The Unforgiven you know uh, it's better than Hydra right, it's, okay. it's much better than Hydra for me which you know considering that was kind of the first with Intentation record which I just didn't really care for in any capacity uh, you know and that's in tandem with a big stylistic shift here I'll put that down as a win even if there, there is go. some misguided stuff on it. <laughs> if you want Sharon Ragger and uh, Euro Pop with your symphonic metal, Resist by Within Temptation is out now. Right. <laughs> that was diplomatic uh, next, <laughs> next album uh, comes from Ithaca. And it's called The Language of Injury. They are the latest out of Holy Raw Records. And there has been a big groundswell of excitement about this band Perrin um, Holy Raw have gathered a bit of a reputation over the, not just in recent years but it has been souped up over the course of the last 12 months um, are you in agreement with that? Oh absolutely I mean I think that's been kind of going for the past few years but with every year kind of building in intensity with you know more people noticing the kind of bands that are on their label the bands that are on their label that get noticed continuing to kind of push bigger you know look at employed to serve the way their profile has grown mm. over the past few years and kind of their consecutive records um even though they're not even on holy raw anymore but you know they were very much a kind of flagship band for this label over the past yeah. few years um you know and the fact that they it feels like every year there's more holy raw releases 
turning up on end of year lists. You know, last year there was Conjurer and Svalbard and all this kind of stuff. They are definitely, I mean, the fact that we have this conversation pretty much every time a Holy Raw record gets reviewed because it is the thing. Holy Raw are, I would say, the most beloved label in UK heavy music right now. Yeah, it's definitely a big selling point to be on Holy Raw. Um, I like some of it a lot more than I like others, but then that's because, you know, I, I think that my takes have never been massively with UK hardcore. That said, I think last year I had two Holy Raw records in my top 20 in Conjurer and Mole, uh, and I think this is my favourite record to come out since that Mole album on this label. Uh, I think the production job on this Ithaca record is fucking brilliant. The drums on this album, the drum sound is monumental. I think everything just feels so weighty. It's got this really fat bass drum sound. And when everything moves in tandem, everything just feels so fucking thick and hefty. Like the textures of the big sledgehammer blows, especially on the title track, the first like minute or so of the title track, as these really chunky thumps of everything just moving together at once, and it feels like you are getting one massive right hook to the jaw. Um, I like the sound of this. Perrin, how are you feeling about Ithaca? Yeah, it's really, really great. I think it, you know, it's the first time I'd heard this band. Um, is it the debut record? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I know there'd been a little bit of buzz around them for like you know a few months, um, but it's it really you know it melds a lot of things that I've listened to a lot over the past couple of years. Like you know, I you know I've said before I come from an extreme metal background more than I do a hardcore background. But things like hardcore and metallic hardcore are things that I've really really delved into over the past few years and really fallen in love with. Like you know, I've spent a lot of the past couple of years listening to bands like poison the well and early yeah. norma gene and burnt by the sun and seven angels seven plagues and shit like that that mm. this record draws lots from but it also it fuses like you know i'm talking about the the really kind of dissonant discordant kind of the way breakdowns just include huge menacing kind of walls of squeals and things like that um but it fuses that with a lot of things that i like about modern kind of heavy music that you know that i think there's a lot of oathbreaker on this record you know, both Raya and kind of pre-Raya, like Eros on Teros era of Breaker, because especially the kind of more immediate kind of savagery of it. Uh, like, you know, there's a lot of clean vocals and things on this, but they're not clean in the way of like, you know, when you think of metalcore, metalcore, clean chorus, it's not that at all. You know, it's very mm. much kind of like, you know, these weird ethereal kind of uh, harmonies that really kind of, you know, they, they ride the motions of the kind of, manic nature of the music in really interesting ways like you know the, the title track which you mentioned that's an example of it i think also secret space goes quite post black metal in a way that's quite you know oathbreaker or envy or someone like that but it it really um you know it, it it's not so much kind of this record doesn't really do much that's kind of revolutionary or anything like that at least to my ears but it really mm. it fuses lots of things in a quite compelling way when it opens the album, it opens a little bit in the kind of dark horse straight converge, converge isn't it? Yeah, that, that like kind of that manic D beat with really weird, abrasive, snaky lead guitar playing. 
Yeah, like when when that opened, I was a little bit like, okay, it's going to be one of those. But that dissipates really quickly. I think that I like them a lot more when they are sludgy and going for it. Like there's a, a riff about a minute and a half into Impulse Crush that is just fucking devastating. And I like that stuff more than the the mathier things but again i have to say this production job means that it never ever sounds hollow like even when the guitars are doing thinner things there is such a colossal sound on that rhythm section that everything sounds so so chunky and with this kind of desperate yearning in the vocals i'm less keen on the on the the quieter more melodic things um just it feels a little a little too cliched uh for for my for my taste i get that on guilt maybe that's the song that kind of has the most kind of you know noughties melodic hardcore style chorus although to me that reminded me of something like devil soldier soul which i quite like but yeah yeah, I never dug Devil Devil Soldier Soul either. Oh. I, I I hear where, I hear where you're coming from though. Um, but that said, when the vocals are going for it in terms of savagery, uh, I th- I think it's it's a lot. It's a, it has a lot more impact. And while I rarely return to these kind of hardcore records. I think this is definitely one of the like if that is your sound, if you're in into that stuff, then this album is much better than a lot of the stuff that I've seen get attention over the course of the last twelve months. Yeah, sure. I mean I, I love this stuff and I'm I'm gonna be returning to this. There's a lot on this which I really fucking like. I think, you know, the the they've got a real command of dynamics where like there's a there are quite a few parts where it goes into really kind of gloomy clean passages with the vocals sort of just kind of bursting out of the mix which kind of reminds me a little bit of Kundra are quite similar moments in those songs uh, but you know mm. the heaviness is never far away from the corner like far around the corner and you know she's got such a kind of like proper vomit in her lungs out voice you know <laughs> her voice yeah, is so like intense like it's kind of one of those vocal performances where you listen to and go are you not hurting doing this? Like, you know, when you, when you hear about fucking vocalists at live shows who kind of afterwards, they're just kind of gone because of they torn their throat apart. This is something I'm sure she's got some serious kind of like, you know, vocal, um, what's the word kind of when people kind of kind of protection strategies and shit like that, when people take lozenges and that kind of shit, but <laughs> it sounds painful is what I'm saying. Um, cast iron throat. Yeah. Which, you know, as, as a, as a sadistic listener is always nice. Um. <laughs> yeah. I I, th- I think that's the, the that's the the reason why the melodic stuff doesn't work as much for me because that stuff is so convincing right. and carries so much. In, like, like the reason I use the word yearning is because it, it has a real desperation to it. It has real character and uh, uh, as I say all the time, man, authenticity is everything. And she sounds like she's willing to fucking bleed from her eyeballs for this record. Yeah, I like pretty much everything this record does. I think they they handle the more kind of straight down the line metallic hardcore parts really, really fucking well and just have some incredibly kind of obnoxiously heavy moments to them. I really like the kind of more ethereal, oathbreakery kind of death heavenly style bits when they kind of burst through. I think that adds a a sense of dynamics to it where it stops it just being like you know straight down the line metallic hardcore i really like the sense of groove to it i, I do like those convergy parts 
it's just a mix of lots of things that I like done to a really good standard, I think. Mm. It's definitely it is one I'm going to be returning to. Do you think the next st- step for Ithaca is a bit more them? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like, it's a, a little bit more, like, I agree. It's, it is kind of, you know, this bit's a mi- misery signals and this bit's a bit, like, you can, you can pick them out. Uh, I, I feel like I'd, I'd like a bit more invention next time out but f- this is a debut release a paper for a debut release it's really impressive yeah i mean you would have said that about the debut employed to serve record you would have said that about pre raya oathbreaker yeah you know those are records which i love i said it i said it about conjurer pre maya yeah exactly like you know for a, so yeah through a debut record i think this is fucking great yeah same Right, so if you dig UK hardcore, you want to check out Ithaca and their album, The Language of Injury, that is out now. Final album this week, actually, is one that I was really looking forward to Ryan being here for because uh, we are talking about Press Club and their album, Late Teens. They are from Brunswick, Australia, and this album actually came out in late 2018, but has just been released through Hassle in the UK. So let's have a look at it because Ryan actually had this on his albums of the year list for 2018. Um, Perrin, let's go to you first then. Um, I know that you are pretty hit and miss when it comes to things that are more uh, on the emotive punk rock side of things. Things that Ryan likes. Yeah, things that Ryan likes, basically. (laughs) So what do you think of Press Club's late teens? Uh, Well, for me, this one's a miss. Um, Really? Yeah, for me, this is kind of what... This is like, you know, kind of the one where it does suck to not have Ryan here because I've sort of not got a lot to say about this one. It's kind of one where I go, it's not for me. You know, people who who like this, fair enough. I'm sure it's done to a decent level of quality if there's a, a level of kind of buzz around it or people getting really into it. For me, it's a little bit, you know, sort of fuzzy lo-fi mix that just sort of sands any discernible edges off that weren't really there to begin with to kind of apparently. Um, it gets a little bit kind of jaunty indie for me. Hmm. See, that stuff really puts me off. And I love this record. I think this is really, really good. I, I think that it is, it's quite sharp and its edges in terms of its guitar tone. But I think what this album, what really bursts out of this album is the vocalist, Natalie Foster. Well, that's I because she's... this is the only part who's in any way distinctive. <laughs> uh, mate, I think uh, maybe so, but uh, regardless, I think she's fucking incredible. Yeah, I think she's got such brilliant delivery and incredible emotion in her vocals. She has this this way that um, the words are kind of spat at you with this kind of spiky, reckless abandon, but there's still uh, enough sweetness to the delivery that those two things popping off at the same time. Let It Fall is the song that I keep coming back to. Um, but uh, Suburbia has that same thing. There's real power and feeling with when it all breaks down. It's got that big, I left my heart in the suburbs feel to it. Um, I think that this is super cool for if you miss modern baseball. Yeah, I, mean, I do like the way when you're talking about the vocalist, I like the way the, when you're talking about the production, there's, it almost feels like the vocals are slightly kind of peaking in the microphone, you know, um, which, it, you know, in some places doesn't make kind of, would not fit at all. But on this record, it actually adds a slight kind of level of intensity that I think the rest of it really, really kind of needs. So having that is nice. And you know, she is definitely, um, she is very much a defining characteristic of all of these songs, which is kind of 
where it kind of you know i like more than just a vocal melody in my songs and for the, the there's nothing you know this isn't these obviously they're not trying to be but this isn't a riff band or anything like that um no it's way more song based yeah than that but kind of she she is the very much the center point of every single song on this and kind of she uh, her vocal melodies are very much the kind of you know what what makes or breaks the song yeah she she has a really distinctive sound which again so hard to do and one of the things that i like the most she has a real weird way of ending the ends of her phrases sometimes like like she really cuts (laughs) off a little bit earlier Uh, i really love that see uh, when you talk about the music i quite like like it's a bit it's a bit runaway train the band sound in that it feels really ragged and ramshackle but never quite falls apart um i don't think that there's anything like it's certainly not if you're expecting riffs or twists and turns and that kind of thing i don't think there's a lot of that but i think in terms of massive melodies and the sorts of people that liked spanish love songs and these kind of bands it is it's one of my favorite things that has been ryan orientated that have come into the podcast over the course of the last six months or so i really really feel this it's got it's it's had a lot of backing from uh dan at radio one as well which is super cool yeah i just find it to be a little bit forgettable but i appreciate it's just not aimed at me so yeah if you do like that sort of thing they are from Australia, another good Australian band as well. Uh, they are called Press Club, and the album is out now on Late Teens on Hassle in the UK. All right then, album club time. And it's Queen with A Night at the Opera. Um, so I mentioned this earlier on, but it is mad to think that in terms of profile... Queen are arguably the biggest rock band in the world right now. Yeah. In terms of streaming, in terms of like I was looking yesterday to see where Fever three 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 had come. We just I was having a conversation. I was looking to see where it came in on the album charts in the US, and I was looking at Apple's uh, rock chart, and numbers one and two are various different versions of queen's greatest hits well i mean earlier um, when we were talking about kind of to bring it back to the bring the horizon conversation when sam carter got into trouble for having a go at the greatest showman soundtrack the fact that the greatest showman soundtrack has been you know at number one for so fucking long you know that's a 2017 movie and it's still here um i think that goes to show the power of film soundtracks and obviously given bohemian rhapsody's release of course, Queen are going to be everywhere. And Queen have been everywhere for a long time. You know, like Queen are a band who everyone knows many, many songs to. But more everywhere than usual, even for them. I am... A, I'll, I'll ask you about Queen in a second. I'm a big Queen fan. And I think... I've seen Queen on my timelines in various guises and... You know, people pretending they've been into Queen for years and all the rest of it. Uh, in recent times, I've seen them more on my timelines than I have since the invention of social media. While yeah, I think Queen sense. are a kind of omnipresent thing, the the, the rise in popularity. Um, well, I'll get to that later on. But Queen, you a fan? Um, yes, to an extent. 
Um, I have always enjoyed, I mean, you know, I like power metal. I like shit that's overblown. I think that's something that always comes across whenever I bring records forward. Um, and Queen are about as overblown and ridiculous as music gets. And the fact that they've, they've you know, the fact that they've achieved that level of kind of cultural significance while being that is testament to just how good their songwriting is. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of shit that's that ridiculous gets sneered at. That is, you know, the life of a power metal fan. Um, but mm. Queen are completely fucking stupid a lot of the time and are, as you say, one of the biggest bands in the world. Stupid's an interesting word. Because um, I was, I know Ryan isn't a fan, which is why I was dying to get his take on this. But uh, the reason I'm always intrigued to get a cynical take on Queen is because to me, they're just unquestionably one of rock's true originals, one of music's true originals, uh, because they are so mental yeah. and, uh, dare I say, fabulous, uh, <laughs> that it's impossible to be too sneery about them for me. Like, you could be cynical about things that are clear plays for commercial gain or things that are of their era, uh, uh, things that come across that like it's easy to be cynical about those kind of things but this is a band who wrote massive overblown anthems that always felt mainstream without ever playing by any of the rules yeah i mean i I don't want to speak for ryan because i don't know exactly his reasons but I i would imagine it's not so much cynicism it's just the fact that because they are so original and because they are so mental and they are so overblown i do understand why someone whose tastes do not lean in that direction might find them a little bit overbearing. Yeah, I can see that. But I, I, th- I think that one of the appeals of Queen and one of the reasons why I think Queen have had such a renaissance with another generation again, because this album that we're discussing is 44 years old this year, um, is they're very difficult to pin to an era because they don't really fit in any era. When you look at this, so this album, A Night at the Opera, came out in 1975, so we're a year before the Ramones uh, first started introducing punk rock in. We're only six years into the history of heavy metal at this point. Um, Prog has had its initial boom, and a bunch of bands were just starting to split up in the kind of 74, 75 time. But you've had King Crimson and Yes and Genesis and ELP and all that kind of shit. Um, And Arena Rock was Kansas, Boston, Leonard Skinner this year kind of produced their third platinum album in the States, and it's three years prior to Van Halen impacting. Um, And I don't really feel like any era of Queen can be defined to that era because they just sound mental. I mean, Seaside Rendezvous on this album (laughs) is like some kind of fucking vaudevillian romp. With a kazoo. Yeah, like well, it's not even a kazoo. Like it's like it has this kind of it skates along with this kind of tap dance feel, but that's. Freddie, but that's Roger Taylor making the noise of a kazoo <laughs> that you hear there. It's Freddie Mercury and Roger Taylor just doing batshit stuffs, uh, stuff with their voices. Like the the horn solo in it is Roger Taylor and a microphone. Like the 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 work of complete maniacs yeah. uh, in in the best way possible. 
Um, when I said earlier that um, you asked me if I'm a fan of Queen, and I said yes to an extent, I think Queen are one of the best singles bands in the history of music. You know that when you take their greatest hits, kind of their best couple of singles from every album from all across their career, and you have a collection of songs that is absolutely undeniable. You know, completely mental and absolutely stunning but where perhaps my queen opinion gets a little bit controversial is i'm not convinced they've ever released a complete masterpiece of an album because their albums while they've always got great songs on them or mostly they also have a fair bit of absolute nonsense to my ears and i think queen are so damn eclectic and queen are so completely mental that sometimes they veer off into territories that are just it's hard to like everything on a queen album sometimes because you know that there's a there's a difference between the best shit that's remembered and some of the weirder stuff on it i'm with you when it comes to singles uh i think that if you take queen's best 20 songs are you place them up against the top 20 songs by any artist in music they're in the running yeah I like mean, i mean when you said 20 i was like that's conservative and you think the is, amount of great singles is. they have i agree but like you know just as a round number as yeah. a right your your top 20 songs basically that defines your band right they can go toe to toe not just with people in rock music i'm talking about the greats of music full stop your michael jackson's all of those people um up to this point on this record queen have only really had one big hit um You've got a couple of bangers before this, you know, don't get me wrong, Sheer Heart Attack, Keep Yourself Alive, Stone Cold Crazy, Seven Seas of Rye. But Only Killer Queen is a big single yeah. at this point in time. And I think I agree with you when it comes to their records. It is very difficult. This album that we're discussing, Rolling Stone had it in the top hundred to top two hundred and fifty albums ever made. Um and I, my problem with Queen Records is that those big songs are so monumentally huge, and that bar is so high when you hit those songs. Like, You're My Best Friend kicks in four songs into this album, and I think Freddie has this. While I love. I, I I just love him as a character. I, I, I often get spoken about in the conversation for the best front man of all time and all that kind of thing. Um, and he's got a brilliant sense of humour. But I think one of the things that get lost with Freddie Mercury is his ability to write an incredibly... It's so hard to write a sweet song without being too saccharine. And I think he can do that in an, such a, an emphatic way on things like this and Somebody to Love on Future Records, Save Me and all these kind of things. They, they have so much sentiment in them without ever being sappy. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, You're My Best Friend kind of has the same kind of warm joyous kind of pick me up feel that like elo songs do you know 
I think ELO are one of the only bands that you can compare to Queen, really. Like, yeah. when I say Queen are a true original, when you look at the fans also like on Spotify, right? Aerosmith, The Police, David Bowie, The Who, Kiss, Elton John, a little bit, ELO, a little bit, Billy Joel, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, Bon Jovi, Van Halen, The Scorpions, Toto, Super Tramp, Deep Purple, John Lennon, R.E.M. Not only is that a madly eclectic group of artists, but 85% of those artists are bands that you would go, not really. It's just a who's who of kind of big 70s, 80s rock bands. Mm. So when it gets to a night at the, a night at the opera... Um, do you feel like there's a big drop-off between, uh, well, I mean, you've got, you've got, you're my best friend, love of my life, and obviously we'll get to Bohemian Rhapsody, but do you think there's a big drop-off between those songs and the others? I do. I mean, I would swap out, I'm not wildly keen on love of my life, but I do really, really like Death on Two Legs. Which, you know, Death on Two Legs, the opening track, is really, you know, you're talking about kind of the sentiment of Queen songs and Freddie's kind of voice. Uh, Death on Two Legs is kind of the venomous side of that, where it's yeah. completely purposely aimed at one person. I believe it's like an ex-manager or something who would fuck. Yeah, but they, they were broke going into yeah. this record because of the the deal that they signed left them absolutely on their ass. So going into this record, it was a real now or never moment for yeah. Queen. And I believe that song kind of being aimed at kind of one of the parties responsible for that situation, it's about mm-hmm. as biting and venomous as Queen get. So I re- that's a song which I really, really enjoy. Um, other than that, I do think, you know, when some people say this is a perfect record, I would have to disagree because there is a bit of crap on this record. Um, <laughs> there's, I mean, we, we won't even count the kind of, the skits, essentially, which are the kind of the songs you're talking about, the kind of the vaudevillian kazoo stuff, which I mean, there's a couple of songs like that one here. I like those things. I think it gives them real character. Yeah, I mean, I you... think that those are, those are the, those, like that and like the middle vocal trade-off between Freddie and Roger again on the prophets in the middle of the prophet song. See, I um, I, I agree with you on something like uh, Seaside Rendezvous. I think that's a giggle. Um, there are songs on this like you know i'm not wild on the prophet song i think prophet song is maybe when you were talking earlier about kind of the good stuff being so good this is an eight minute song and you compare it to something like bohemian rhapsody and you go i mean i know that's a fucking high bar for anyone but this is eight minutes long the kind of the beginning and end are a bit ploddy and dull for me and the middle section is two minutes of just them making noises and i go this is not the kind of this is not the best song you are capable of writing <laughs> yeah i i think i like 39 uh, it's, uh, it's a bit kind of get, let's gather around a campfire and sing kumbaya for me i uh, see uh, it's, it's got a, a little bit of that kind of uh, touches of the celtic folk uh right. thing that i'm an absolute sucker for on that uh, i'm in love with my car gets loads of stick in the Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> movie. But, you know, I think it's a rocker. I've not seen the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Does that include the story about um, Roger Taylor allegedly locking himself in a cupboard? 
No, I've not even heard that one. Go on. Appar- okay, I'm in love with my car was the B-side to the Bohemian Rhapsody single. Yeah. And apparently Roger Taylor locked himself in a cupboard and refused to come out until Freddie agreed to let it be the B-side for Bohemian Rhapsody because he liked it so much. <laughs> which is... Well, it's a rocker, to be fair. <laughs> well, like... I can't... Like, that... That story in tandem with the song in question, like you're not you're not arguing over fucking stairway to heaven here. You're arguing over I'm in love with my car and you are that passionate about it that you are locking yourself in a cupboard. <laughs> Roger, Roger, Roger Taylor is is one of my. This band has two of my favourite people going when it comes to music. I love Roger Taylor. I like what he stands for. I like that he has never given a fuck about Queen's reputation because Queen used to take a hammering in these days. In the like the NME called Freddie a prat and all of this sort of stuff uh, back in the day. Uh, Roger Taylor's attitude was just fuck them. And it's easy to see why Queen were never darlings of the music press mainly because they didn't need them because they got popular despite that kind of sneery feeling about them but also because they are so fucking weird and um roger taylor's part when it comes to queen's sound i mean uh, i think in brian may they've got someone who again that signature brian may solo sound the second it turns up on something that's brian may again yeah we do it all the time we did about puppy last week but roger taylor uh and freddie in particular these vocal harmonies that they would do um pharrell williams once said of michael jackson that his backup vocals on things are like a symphony coming in straight if you listen to stranger in moscow that's one of the ones that really really points that out but queen absolutely fall into that same company love of my life uh, like while conducted by freddie and that brilliantly powerful vocal it just feels like a symphony of voices at times and of course that that builds towards bohemian rhapsody i, I you said you haven't seen the movie and I, I try not to play this kind of you're a this or you're a that if you don't like something because it's hollow and it's just always a weak argument you you haven't got anything to say, so that's what you're saying. Uh, but I think you have to be a right miserable bastard to not <laughs> enjoy it for what it is. Like it has got so much. Like I, I was with a, I was drinking with a friend over Christmas who had seen it before I had, and I was like, I. <laughs> I'll be honest. We're sponsored by You Discover, and I thought the trailer for it looked rubbish, so I didn't go to see it. So because if I can't, if I haven't seen it, I can't not be honest about it but my friend turned around and said what are you looking for from it are you looking for a factual account blow by blow of queen or are you looking for a movie i was like well it's a movie i'm going into to to be entertained and i think that it's got so much heart in it the film and it's such a it's so easy to see why queen have had a renaissance because not only does it prove how timeless their music is to for to not seem too dated and for it's young people that are really getting into queen at the moment it's just such a brilliant joyous celebration of queen and freddie remy malik is fucking spectacular um and while it's kind of 
a bit rags to riches story and i can understand cinephiles getting arsy about its oscar nominations next to fucking black Klansman and stuff like that i think swaths of what made freddie such a beloved figure in the history of music is accounted for on it and you know factual factual inaccuracies and blah 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 i think that it being so warm and lovable and i think it was closer to freddie the character than walk the line was to johnny cash but anyway um bohemian rhapsody the song itself when they do these lists of the best song ever right and there's a handful of songs that get those those big uh that accolade thrown at it it's usually imagine by john lennon is the is the other one i can't stand that song in the i mean it i think you you, you probably had to be there then right. to understand the sentiment of it is what it is because i'm i'm with you whatever um but with bohemian rhapsody i think this is one of those songs that if someone says the best song of all time is bohemian rhapsody i say fair enough um six minutes long no chorus and not one second of it isn't an absolute 10 out of 10 like there is no song like bohemian rhapsody in the history of this fucking music Uh, it is such a one-off moment Uh, i don't know if it it was that it's not only brought about one of the best moments in music it's also brought about one of the best moments in cinema because if you get to the headbang section and don't find yourself doing it because i do involuntarily involuntarily (laughs) every fucking time when you get to for me headbang god i wish that section was longer like if I could, oh. if I could change anything about Bohemian Rhapsody, I would make that kind of the rock section a little bit longer because it comes and it slams so fucking hard and then it disappears again. You go, no, that riff deserves a song. <laughs> <laughs> Those and the the tail end of the solo of that bit that leads into the ooh yeah, yeah. like it, there is not a wasted note on it. It is, it's other, it's otherworldly. It, it is one of the kind of you know if, when I talk about my favourite songs of all time, Bohemian Rhapsody isn't in the running because it doesn't have quite the same you know emotional resonance to me that some of my favourite shit does. But when you're talking about what is one of the greatest songwriting achievements of all time, Bohemian Rhapsody should be one of the very first things that comes to everyone's thoughts, you know? Because like like you're saying, there's no there's no chorus, but every single second is a hook. Nothing like there is no song that is so you know people jet like know every single second not just every single word but like mm. fucking like bits of percussion and shit like that like the p- little piano notes everything every single note the solo is completely ingrained in people's heads and it's not just the fact that it's been overplayed which you know definitely it certainly had its fair fair amount of exposure over the years but it is so perfectly honed to just embed itself in your consciousness while not having anything in the way of a chorus or a hook, and while being so completely batshit and mental and doing so much across its runtime, it is it has to be the catchiest song that is the least basic. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah, brilliant, Shell. I mean, 
that middle uh, operatic section is it's so mad in yeah. terms of its construct, in terms of its feel, in terms of everything about it. And yet it's unbelievably catchy. It's the the the, the lyrics are such a such a discussion point when it comes to Queen rock music in general because it's borderline nonsense at times. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? But it is sung with such unwavering, unfaltering conviction. Yeah. Like the 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 live aid set is one of the greatest performances going. I mean, introduced by Smith and Jones dressed as police officers. Uh, the movie missed, missed that bit out. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody opening your set. It just it it's sets like a set in itself, basically, isn't it? It is, <laughs> and it sets the tone for it so brilliantly. I think if the renaissance of Queen and the Live Aid set and everything um, has had one massive, massive silver lining to me, it's that Hammer to Fall is finally getting its dues because that is my favourite Queen song by quite some distance. Mine's Stone Cold um, Crazy because it's fucking oh, really? metal. <laughs> metal as fuck yeah sheer heart attack as well just fucking yeah. rager uh i love tie your mother down for that feel they've got some proper pumpers but i i i just think i can't believe the word pumpers has been used twice this episode <laughs> <laughs> i think you've, you've planted it in my head i'm gonna be saying oh wait Ch- my wife's gonna come home later and be like why do you keep saying pumpers um the the the, the the last um, refrain of this song is massive. And when you have a go at the lyrics, the the sometimes wish I'd never been born at all in this song, it's just, it has such emotional connection that you don't need to know what this song is about. And yeah. that is just... It's an insane achievement. And it balances that with the complete, as you say, the the complete nonsense, essentially, of other sections of this song, where that's kind of what I was referring to earlier when I was saying, you know, a lot of stuff that is openly silly gets sneered at in music. Um, And something like the midsection of Bohemian Rhapsody should absolutely fall in that category. But it's so fucking iconic and, you know, ubiquitous in the fact that people absolutely love it. And I think that balancing that with as you say the kind of more emotive parts of the song the more straight head rock part it is you know it's just properly i mean kind of you know hot take bohemian rhapsody is good but go and listen to it with fresh ears kind of don't just kind of you know because people go along with bohemian rhapsody because it's so just ingrained in their consciousness go and just mm. sit down and focus on what is going on in bohemian rhapsody and it is so still chorus. to this day staggering yeah Mate, and that's without the fucking whoa, baby. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that whole section. That the, the so you st- think you can stop me and spit in my eye. Massive, massive. So there you go. Uh, the film is well worth a look. Uh, you know, if you go in as a cynic, then you're going to leave as a cynic. But I think if you go along for the ride, it is. Uh, it, it's easy to see why it's been such a big hit. And why it's, uh, and I just think it's brilliant that this band are into their fifth decade now, um, uh, since their since their debut release, 
and are still being celebrated as one of rock's true originals and it's one of the one of the things that i feel is is sorely lacking in today's musical landscape uh, i i understand that we live in in times where you have to question everything and when the darkness came out and people were like are they taking the piss uh, i remember justin in an interview saying you know, have you ever listened to Queen? Like, it's a laugh-a-thon, a laugh-a-minute, but people don't look at Queen and kind of go, did they mean it or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for throwing the ball as far as you possibly can. Yeah, even if it means some comes complete back. rubbish album tracks. <laughs> I mean, like, even if it means some nonsense... Uh, I think that oh, especially if it means it, nonsense. But it forces you into because when we talk about Queen and those those top twenty songs and all the rest of it, like fucking uh, you know, Radio Gaga is nothing like One Vision. Is nothing like fucking crazy little thing called Love. Is nothing like Don't Stop Me Now. Not only are the songs monumental, they're so broad. And they're so diverse, and they are they are a one band genre at times, Queen, mm-hmm. and there ain't been anyone like them before or since, and that is always worth celebrating, even if I'm with you. I don't think that there's a Queen album that I can truly hang my hat on. I think that it, I think the closest I've got to one is I like a kind of magic. Right. I think it might be my my age or whatnot, but One Vision, the kind of magic, uh, friends will be friends, who wants to live forever. There's some big, big tunes on that. Uh, but generally, I'm with you. Right, Queen. Uh, so do subscribe to That's Not Metal, powered by You Discover. YouDiscoverMusic.com. If we have given you the bug for Queen, you can enter a competition to win £100 worth of gift vouchers for the Queen online store by checking out the competitions at YouDiscoverMusic.com. And me, <laughs> Perrin, and if he gets back alive from Amsterdam, Ryan DeFreitas will be back next week. We'll see you for more from That's Not Metal, powered by You Discover. Cheers. See you then. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.